Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Marriage, Faith, and Family Room, or the Family You <laughs> typo there. Um, the Kingdom Business Network. Good evening, everyone. Pray everyone's have a blessed day. Glad to see so many of you joining us tonight. I just, I'm really kind of excited about what we're going to talk about tonight, because y'all, I've been, I've been slipping in. I don't mean any harm. I ain't trying to throw no shade. But I've been slipping in on some of these conversations I've been hearing on Clubhouse. And, um, you know, a lot of people talking a lot of stuff that just ain't based on the word. And so one of our objectives when we um, uh, come on here and talk about marriage, faith and family is to give you perspective, not from our opinions, not from what we desire, not from what's convenient or comfortable, but to really give you counsel and to discuss things from the perspective of the word. And please understand even if we give you the opportunity to come up and uh, you can add your discussions or add, have some input, um, even give opinions, please understand we're still going to bring it back and tell you what the word says. So um, our, that's our objective. Our objective is to um, give you what the word says. And a lot of people got a lot of opinion, a lot of philosophy, a lot of colloquialisms, a lot of um, <laughs> cultural um, mores and cultural norms, etc. At the end of the day, y'all, as Christians, we should be living by the word. And so some stuff we're going to talk about tonight is really based upon the word. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you tonight for this opportunity to be together tonight with all of our kingdom cousins here on Marriage, Faith, and Family, here on the Kingdom Business Network. I speak your blessing upon each one who's with us tonight, married and single, no matter where we are in life. I declare that we get wisdom from God and from the word of God to know how to navigate, negotiate through everything that we're going through in life, through the through the vicissitudes that we are going through as a result of this pan pandemic. Father, that you give us the wisdom we need to be the husbands we need, to be the wives we need, to be the mothers, the fathers, the friends, the companions during this time, the encouragers that we should be for each other. And so I thank you for this time. Thank you that it's blessed, it's appointed, it's anointed, and the wisdom of God flows in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, everyone, before we get started, right now, uh, invite someone to this room, Marriage, Faith, and Family on the Kingdom Business Network. Bring someone, invite someone, let them know it's about to go down regarding marriage, faith, and family. And also, um, see the greenhouse on your page. Follow that um, so you can be in the know. and all. Click on that so you can become a member mm -hmm. if you're not of the Kingdom Business Network. Definitely. And you'll be pinged and notified and, and all that stuff whenever uh, something's coming on on the Kingdom Business Network. Man, Minister Adrian and Minister Jamal, Minister Jamal, Minister Adrian, how y'all doing tonight? We're doing great. Moderators. Man, how doing are well. How are y'all? Doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. Pastor Chandler, how you doing? You home? They just left the house. Made it home. Made it home. Made it home. Our son, grandson, first oldest male grandchild in our family turned 11. 11 years today. old today. Pastor Chandler's. Righteous. Pastor Chandler's son, Chandler Righteous, 11 years old today, so we wish happy birthday to, to Righteous. All right. Okay, y'all. So last week we started just looking at some basic marriage principles and lessons from the Word of God regarding our marriage, things that we really think should be elementary, foundational, and fundamental for Christians Christian marriages. Now, before I even go any further, let me say this. You can't have the God kind of marriage with living by worldly standards. Okay? You can't have the God kind of marriage living by ratchet standards. That's a better way. Ratchet standards, um, worldly standards, so people may not understand. What are you talking about? Worldly okay. standards. Well, well, well. I mean, I don't mean harm. I don't watch the shows, so y'all don't y'all get mad at me if if you on it, you watch it, you you record it. But whatever goes on down in loving, um, loving hip hop, and these reality shows where they cussing each other out, 
and um, putting their hands in each other's face and um, um, saying F you to their husbands. And so, you know, my biggest concern sometimes about that kind of stuff, particularly for younger people today, again, let, let me remind you that we've been married for 37 years. I'm starting to lose count. That's, you, you know you're getting, you're getting older when you start losing count. We've, you been, losing at, count. we've been at 37, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Th 30, it'll, be, it'll be 37 this year. Well, you, it is 37. In, the, in a few months, it'll yeah. be in June 1st, it'll be 37. But um, so, so let me say that. So let me say that. Take a pause. 37 years. 37 years. That's a long time. That's a long time to be with one person. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. 37. And there's people have been married much longer. And it hasn't always been a bed of roses, mm -mm. but it's always been bed. They've always been a bed. <laughs> and we've always been in the bed. We all, hey, 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 let's stop it right there. Yeah, because, you know. We always stayed in our bed. Mad. Angry, ticked off, whatever um, you want to say. Back to back, without toes touching, but we get in the same bed. We get in the same bed. This whole thing about leaving the bed. Leaving you, the house. You can't sleep in the room with me. I'm going someplace else. That is so counterproductive if you're really not serious about divorce. Right. And so, but check this out. If you do those things, you putting yourself on the path of divorce. So if you, if you really aren't, you may be angry, but you, you be, if you, let's say you play it out. If your husband or wife said, I don't want to be married with you anymore. You'd be devastated. Telling him to go or telling her to go in another room or going to the couch that is something you do not want to do. Yeah, and the idea now, now it's now going now to they got COVID. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now going to another room is better than going out of the house. Right. To cool off, but you get in that bed. Okay, at night. but the idea that you should be even even if, even if you hold it on to the rim. Hold on to the rim. To the, the holding on the rim of the west coast and the and, <laughs> the, the, east and the east coast of the bed. It's crazy. Okay. And even if it looked like even if it seemed like the devil laying in the middle of the bed stretched him, stretched out well, while while y'all uncomfortable well, on either end, okay, you got got better chance of pushing the devil out the bed if you stay in the bed. And you have a better chance of having a better night's sleep than on that couch <laughs> or in the chair. That's ridiculous. Be beauty rest, Sealy, Posturepedic, Tempurpedic is better than a couch. Yeah. Just sleep on the edge. So if you don't want to practice separation. Um, give room to the practice of the thought of divorce. Don't go to the couch. So, you know, and we're being real basic here, and, you know, we're being a little bit comical about it, but we're very serious, is that, see, so you don't, the, in marriage, you should not be used to sleeping by yourself. Mm. You didn't get married to sleep by yourself. You sleep by yourself when you're single. Mm. So once you're married, you shouldn't get used to sleeping by yourself. If you get used to sleeping by yourself, and your mind is, hey, if we don't make it, we don't make it. I'm used to sleeping by myself anyway. Right. Okay. You know, I, I remember, um, you know, a, after we had been married, we had been married about two or three years. And I got a job. We lived in Tulsa and we lived in Portland, Maine. I got a job and I had to go to Hartford, Connecticut to train for two, mm -hmm. for uh, four weeks. And I remember seeing like that was the hardest thing for me. And then I started traveling and I started realizing, I started feeling very awkward because I'm like, I'm not used to sleeping by myself. And so when you get married, the intention is that you're not going to be sleeping by yourself. You're not, that you, there are a lot of things you're not going to be doing by yourself. I think it's okay. We even have a question in our premarital questionnaire um, is what things are you anticipate doing by yourself mm. uh, after you get married. And the reason why we have them to address those things is because we need to talk about those things before you get married. Because you may be oh, thinking, definitely. you may be thinking you're going to continue doing this thing by yourself and that can become a problem. Right. Well, you know, me and my girls once, uh, 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 once every other month, we go for a, a girl's trip every, every once a month. Well, that may not work when you get married. Right. Well, me and my boys, you know, once once a month, you know, we have a poker game right. and we stay out all night. Well, that may not work when you get married. Right. And so, so the 
the objective and the purpose of getting married is to become companions. Right. And to think about it, um, your girls and boys pre-becoming Mrs. and Mr.s, they may be pro-you. So when you get with your girls who are pro-you before you became Mrs. or pro-you be before you became Mr., and you start talking to them about your issues, they're not going to be on the side of your marriage. So that's what that's perhaps that falls under Psalms one one. Blessed man walk not in the country of ungodly, nor nor stand in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seated in the scornful. Okay, but blessed is the man, the woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And there's a lot of people getting ungodly counsel regarding their marriage. What? I don't mean to harm. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna make you mad right now. The ungodly counsel could be coming from your mama, or your papa, or your papa. God forbid, it's coming from your pastor. Mm. to get un ungodly count. You remember, remember the movie Color, Color Purple? Mm. Harpo, <laughs> Harpo got ungodly counsel. What was the counsel? Beat her mm. and it backfired on him and made that mule kick him in the face. <laughs> okay. So, so you, you really want to, um, you know, mm. so it, with, with that being said, our objective even tonight is to give you some principles based upon godly counsel. So we started talking about lessons or marriage lessons from the Bible that we need to be thinking about because the, the word of God should be the guide for the lives of the Christians. Mm. Can, I, can, can, I, can we just park right there for a moment? The word of God is supposed to be our guide. Um, I thank God for people like Oprah and Dr. Phil mm -hmm. And um, whoever else may be on TV or or books, whatever, uh, Doctor Shapoka, Shapaka, whatever, you you can get psychologists, sociologists, everything that we hear, we need to screen it mm. through the Word of God. It may sound good, it might even sound practical, it might sound wise, but the longevity that we get is going to be based upon the Word of God. Jesus mm. said, the person who builds his life, who hears these sayings of mine, I believe it's Matthew, it's Matthew 5, um, the person who hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a man that built his house on the rock. Right. And the waves came, the storms came, and beat upon that house, I think that's word in King James Version, vehemently, mm -hmm. very strongly. But the one was built on something other than the sayings of Jesus, the mm -hmm. word of God. And the great was the fall of that house. And the same things, mm -hmm. I catch this. People out there missed that. It wasn't a different storms. It wasn't different velocity of the winds. Mm -hmm. It wasn't different direction of the winds. The same storm, the same winds came against the, the man whose house was built upon the rock or the word of God, but it stood. Mm -hmm. What that tells us is that we can all go through the same thing, but it's what you're standing on that's going to determine whether you survive. It. Listen, and you're saying the word of God. So many people are saying that, but they say, I need to do what's best for my, what? My uh, psyche, my psyche, my, my mental health. Right, right. But the word of God is one thing. It's so consistent. It's been the same, same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. There's different philosophies that come through depending on the time and the season. And so as a result of that, people kind of embrace what is, what is what's, the, what's prevalent right now. Like right now, self-care, loving yourself. And but the word of God is consistent. putting yourself first. The word of God is consistent, so you can follow after what's the latest in that actual season regarding the focus on the on the flesh, on the psyche, on your emotions, and you can make a wrong decision as a believer because the word of God says what I mean. He may say, "Love of God may say, take no thought." And may say, um, take no record, you know, Corinthians, first Corinthians 13 amplified translation. You know, don't count. You know, we was talking about this whole thing uh, regarding forgiveness. 
Because some people say, well, I, I can't, I, you know, I forgive, but I don't have to forgive. But the word of God said, take no account. Then Jesus told his disciples 70 times what? 70 times seven. 70, so you can't, and basically you can't do the math on that. Mm. You know, so because it's talking the, the real content saying even in the day, you can't count it, you can't keep up with it. So basically, Jesus is saying that your whole basic foundation should be one of love. One of so when a Christian says something like, "See, now, because you know, we're, we're white, like we think like this," when a Christian says something like, "I'll never forgive him," right, right away something tilts in us saying, "Okay, right, yeah, well, that's not the word. That wasn't God wasn't in that at all." Not and at all. I understand I, you're feeling that I way. I get it. If they say, "Listen, I, I feel like I would, I never want to forgive him for that. I feel like I, get I can't it. forgive." I, I get, get that. I get it. But when a person says like something like, "Well, I, I'm just telling, you, I will never forgive him for that." Right away, we know that there's no God consciousness, mm -hmm. and that's all flesh and not and nothing and, and not God. Definitely right. not the Word. Right. If you know, honey, I'm so glad you mentioned that because where I am right now in my in my space, my season, is realizing that the emphasis with believers and kingdom people is so much on your emotions or feelings or what's comfortable. But we are not of this world. And our life will go on beyond this present time in this earth suit. And so, but so much is governed upon based on what you may feel, what's comfortable for you, um, your preferences. And I can't get it. I can't understand because there's nothing in the word that just, that says you you walk by your preferences. Yeah, well, and then you know a lot of the a lot of the preaching we're hearing today, okay, a lot of the preaching we're hearing today is all about you and making everything the way you want it, cutting off anything that makes you feel bad. That's that's challenging you, and so if we're not careful, we are raising up supposedly with justification of the word uh, just a whole lot of really selfish people yeah I mean, so if, if even to i mean so i mean if, if, if you scale the pandemic that that's why right, you ain't coming right, to church right, right. okay I, right. fine you and god y'all deal with that and you do what you got to do i ain't gonna put nobody in a situation they say i killed them all right so you you do what you got to you do. work it out work it out but on the other hand what about the people who say i have a call to ministry or or church wasn't just about you. Mm -hmm. Church is a place you went to serve other people. Mm. So, but that's gone out the window now. Oh, it's gone. People, people don't think about that. No, I'm, I don't just go to church for me. I go to church because this is my opportunity mm -hmm. also to serve other people. Mm -hmm. You know, that man, Jesus died for me. He right. saved me. He right. justified me. Right. He forgave me my sins. This is one of the ways that I even reciprocate back to my savior is by serving other people. Right, right. That thought, that's gone. That's gone, yeah. I mean, some, well, among a lot of people, the preaching, the teaching, the justification that we're in is everything is about ourselves, making ourselves feel good. And if, even a lot of, even even a lot of, you know, if, if we listen to some of that stuff that's being taught today, we wouldn't be together right now. Oh, you know what? I'm right there with you. Okay. We I didn't not, always right. I didn't always treat you right. in the best way. And I had to learn to be get better. Mm -hmm. And there was something you didn't do. Exactly. And you had to learn to get better. And, to learn to get better. and if we listen to the counsel we hear today, we would not we be, wouldn't together. be together. So I'm thinking about couples who aren't together now based upon counsel of common sense. Counsel of self-preservation, of of feeling, not that your life is at risk, but you know your well-being, what's good for you, and, and and the thing about it, you go back to the scripture of you know is about godly seed, it's about purpose, and so we stayed together during the rough time and hard times. We understood the higher calling of our marriage, mm. you know that. Um, that this is is beyond what we were actually feeling at that moment, so that kept us in the actual same house. Yeah, you know, and while while today people aren't thinking about the higher calling, 
And it's, I'm really grieved by it and I'm concerned by it because we have a generation of individuals just making decisions based upon, you know, um, what they feel is comfortable for them. In the natural, we are totally opposite individuals. Um, in the natural, we I think we yeah. can make we you make got a lot other, of you got a lot of hair and I'm bald. <laughs> we can make each other uncomfortable. In the natural, you know, um, I have a very strong personality. You have an extremely strong personality. Not as strong as yours. You think my personality is strong oh, than yeah. yours? Yeah. Wait a minute, Chandler. I, I are can, you are you on this, Chandler? I can subdue mine, Chandler. I subdue I subdue mine. Are you here? We're gonna need you to chime in on this here. Okay, whose personality is stronger? <laughs> I would say it matters the situation. It matters the situation. Wait a minute, son. <laughs> Wait a minute, son. What do you mean it matters the situation? I'm I'm getting yeah, concerned. Well. We're, getting, we're getting off track. No, I, I need to know this. <laughs> I would say personal family things, you, principles and standards, dad. Okay, so we compliment each other. So sometimes complimenting each other, um, blending regarding, because it's regarding purpose, family, and principles, they can become, they, it, be, it can become challenging and hard. But understanding the higher calling of things allowed us to kind of like woosah in all of that and realize I'm not going to take this in a way that I according to my emotions or my feelings, but I'm going to know, I know the purpose here of this relationship. I know the purpose of our marriage. Kind of disappointing you, Chandler. I'm, I'm dad's completely stronger than me all the way around. So the principle really we're talking about right now is that God has to be the center of all marriages that want to succeed. Psalms 127 and one says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So he's saying, despite all of our efforts, despite all of our strength, despite all of our ingenuity, despite all of our education, despite all of our, our natural talent, wisdom, ability, our house needs to be built on, on the Lord, on the principles of the word. And so that's Psalms 127 and one in the scripture I was quoting, I was referring to earlier is Matthew 7, uh is is matthew 7 24 jesus said therefore whosoever hear these sayings of mine and do it them i will liken him to a man which built his house upon the rock and so you know i was talking to chandler last week about even ministry i was saying there's a lot of ministries that started out wrong okay as a bishop uh I oversee pastors and I pastor pastors. And sometimes there are pastors who are really struggling in the, with their church. The church isn't growing. The ministry is not growing. It's not, it's not flourishing. And so many times I've learned these people come to me and got connected to me years after they've been in ministry. So sometimes I'll go back and I'll have, the, I'll have a crucial, tough conversation. And I'll ask them, how did this ministry start? Mm. How, how, how did you start this? Well, Whenever I hear stuff like, well, you know, my pastor was holding me back. So I, the Lord told me it was time for me to go. Hmm. Or, um, or um, they got in strife. They got in strife with their pastor. In some cases, there was a church split. Hmm. And whenever I hear those things, I realize the foundation of it is wrong. Hmm. And when the foundation is right, either two things are going to happen. One or two things are going to happen either is not going to grow mm -hmm. or is going to grow and collapse mm. when the foundation is wrong, when the foundation is not right. And so what, and so the foundation of a marriage and so, okay, well, wow, this is good. So people talk about things like, well, you know, we went through a really rough time. It could be the death of a fam, a family member. Mm -hmm. It could, God forbid, be losing losing a child, mm -hmm. and many times, you know, uh, um, you know, we went we went through things. You know, when Chandler when Chandler was a little boy, mm -hmm. okay, Chandler broke his leg. Ooh, okay, femur. he broke his femur. I was at work. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I don't know. We have there was a part of me that kept saying, 
Now, what did you do? What, oh, it was a huge part of you. Okay. I, man, why, why, why you mopped the floor at this time? Why wasn't you watching? There, there was a part of me, I don't know if you ever talked, we talked like that. But, and, then, and then I remember when my younger son, Daniel, who's now in, in his early 30s, uh, we were at church at Rama in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Brook Narrow, Oklahoma. And I was going from one building to the next building. I dropped one child off one building, went to go drop... And I left him in the back. I didn't have him in the car seat, nor the seat belt. He opened up the door, and he fell out the car. Jesus. Fell out the car. His face got all scratched up. Now, I'm, I'm just saying this. Sometimes couples go through things with their children, and so they just, well, man, we went through a really rough time, and, and, that, and that tore our marriage apart. The only reason why that tears your marriage apart is because the foundation's wrong. Mm. And so when the foundation's wrong, you can't go through tough stuff. Because the foundation is not the foundation of the marriage. The foundation, mm. if it's not based upon the word and principles of the word, when it's based upon the word, we respond with the word, we, we react with the word, we, we govern our behavior by the word, and we depend on God. It, it has, you know, even the agape love of God. Okay, there we go. The agape love of God. I need the agape love of God for you. Right. More than I need the arrows, erotic feelings okay, for you. Right, because because what we discovered is because you can have someone in that marriage who was raised on the understanding and the demonstration of the agape, right? So you could, you know, someone comes up in the household and they saw their parents um, demonstrate the agape, and they and so they so they learned that. They saw that marriage wasn't perfect, but they saw their mother and their father operate in their agape and understand the higher purpose, the higher calling of marriage. Then you have someone who, who they love God, right? But never saw the agape. They saw, you know, they saw um, legalism. They saw uh, being punitive, punishment, what have you. So they come together because they are coming together with the understanding we both love God. I'm saying you almost really kind of need to go and go a little bit deeper because you can come together and both of y'all said we have a relationship with the Lord, but if you did not see agape demonstrated, you can come into that marriage very judgmental, very harsh, very rigid, and unloving. Oh, let's say, when I say unloving, unagape-like. Because in marriage, you're gonna make mistakes. You can do something. I mean, your husband, your your boo, whatever. Y'all perfect now, but no one's perfect. No one's infallible. You know, so there's something you may go through in your marriage that may rock you. And I want to say that nobody's perfect. There could be things that pop off in your marriage that can shake you. Like, I never expected this to enter into my marriage. But your foundation can allow you to stand within your marriage and give room for, let's say, for God to move. Okay, your foundation gives room for God to move. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have the right foundation, God can't move. I've seen this happen. Two, two people coming together from uh, families who both are believers, but one is very judgmental, rigid, have not seen the agape love of God. The other one seen the agape. Neither uh, families are perfect, but one demonstrated more of the word than the other. And you and they come together. These two young people, whatever, come together. Those mar that marriage does not stand because one does not understand how to. They're going based upon what's comfortable for them, what they prefer, what they want, what they like, what they think they should get. And to that, I would say this, you know, yes, I think an idea we need to demonstrate of the agape, but even if you didn't have it demonstrated, if you love the Lord, if you read it in his word, you can learn to condition yourself based upon what the word says. Mm, that's huge, honey. That's the thing. Okay. That's huge. Because a lot of things we didn't know. 
a lot of things I didn't I didn't know. But we love God. But we love God. And so, man, when I read it in the Word, I'm like, oh, wow. But that's pure love. You understand? Not religious love. Well, and and then you... Okay, that's a whole other thing. Because I talk about this all the time, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to love what God loves and hate what God hates. Mm. The fear of, of the Lord causes you to be conscious of what God thinks. Mm -hmm. And to care about what God thinks. Mm -hmm. Um... The, that that's the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord makes you want to please him. So, you know, but if you never saw that in your home, but my point, you don't have, even if you didn't see it in the, by you becoming saved, becoming Christian, you make Jesus the Lord of your life. And now once I read this in the word, I'm like, man, mm. that's not what I'm doing. But that's a high functioning person. But, honey, but, but that, but the word renews our mind, right? Right. That's supposed to be. Right. It's so, I mean, so, I mean, it has to be a will there right. first, but the word can renew you, even if you didn't see it demonstrated. Right. Once you see it and hear it and receive it from the word of God, Ooh. it can change us if we want to, if, if we can make changes. Mm. You know, the Bible said, be not conformed to this world. Don't just don't just go along with the world's customs, is one translation. I believe it's a message translation. Don't get caught up and go along with the world's customs without even thinking, without even thinking. Mm. Okay? But but let the word this would change you with his new ideals but, and new attitudes. Right. But what I'm discovering today that the word is passe. With people like, eh, it's good for church, it's good for this, but it's not good for that. And the reality is marriages today, because so much pressure is going on on this in, in this time, this season. If you don't grab hold of this word, if you don't dig into this word, if you don't discover this word, the world, this season, this time will corrupt your relationship, your marriage. It will not stand. And let me add something else to that, too. To those of us who are preachers, mm. pastors, mm. apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And if we don't preach and teach what the word says, people are not going to know. Mm. And so we have to be at a place that we, we're not just trying to be popular. Our job as preachers and teachers of the word is to let people know what the word says. I heard a preacher, of a, and we will all know his name if I mention him, okay, but I'm not going to mention him. He's a very nice guy. Really, 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 really nice, nice guy. Okay. But he said, he said, my job is not to tell people what they're doing wrong. That's not true. Okay. Wow. That is not true. Part of what we do, our responsibility as preaching teachers of the word is to let people know where we're wrong, mm -hmm. where our life doesn't line up with the word of God. Now we don't have to be mean, nasty about it and, and yell at folks and scream at folks and condemn everybody, make everybody feel it, tell it, everybody to go to hell. But it is our job to let people know where we're off and where, where we're living lives and doing things that's not consistent with the word of God. Right. Right. Okay. I know it's, as it, we have really kind of, it's like, Almost. Okay, I'm, I'm making this one point. Let me say this, and then we're going to okay. open up here. No, this, this is the only one point. Okay. Only point we've made tonight is that God got to be sinned about marriage if it's going to succeed. Right. That God has to build a house, mm -hmm. according to Psalm 127 to 1. And we have to make up our minds to be doers of the word, according right. to Matthew 7 and 24, I believe. Mm -hmm. Okay. When we build the foundation of our lives, and our marriage on something other than the word of God, I said this earlier, it's not going to last. Bottom line. No, it's not. He we've seen that. Right. It's not gonna last. Right. He is going he is to be our only guide and direction for living, the mm -hmm. word of God. And God's protection will always be sufficient to keep us safe if we just do the word. Right. Some sometimes we think, well, what about me? Whatever you you what you have to. What about me? What about what I? We want? have to trust that if I do what's right before God, He's going to protect me. Right. We should always view our marriages through the lens of Scripture, mm. and look to God, look to His guidance and comfort as we go through life with our spouses. Mm. God got to build a house. We got to do this on the Word, and that's how we made it to. Almost 37 years. Right. Not looking through our marriage, through our own personal lens, our preferences, our disappointments, what have you, what's comfortable for us. 
something used to talk about years ago, situational ethics. You right. know, you know, based upon this situation, this applies here. Apps, let's not not even let's not consider the word of God. You know, and it's like God's word did not see the situation that you're actually going through. But he sees your finances. You want to apply the word regarding your, your healing for your body, but not for your marriage. And we're saying tonight, you know, as Marriage, Faith, and Family on the Kingdom Business Network, God, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knew, he knows about your situation of your marriage, even though he, he, he came on this planet over 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross, shed his blood, took those stripes for those iniquities, whatever you're dealing with, those bruises on your soul. He dealt with that on the cross. He has help for you if you open your heart to him regarding that situation. And two things I want to say, just, just, just before we open up and we're going to uh, moderate, make sure we, we uh, now allow people maybe to raise their hands and, and bring them up on, on stage. Um, two, two things I want to say to that. I, is one is that I do recognize you do need two people to be thinking this way. Because one, one psalmist said, it takes two to make a thing all right. It takes two to make it out of sight. Ha! Okay. <laughs> That's a joke, y'all. Okay. So it, it takes two to, uh, to do that. And the other thing, the other thing I want to say is that living by the word, no one said is going is always going to be easy. But is but the rewards and the dividends will be there. This this is what I gotta say. The same God, since we're in the Kingdom Business Network, the same God who can cause your business to succeed is the same God who can cause your marriage to succeed. The same God who can give you strategy for your first quarter and your second quarter and your third quarter and your fourth quarter is the same God who can give you strategy for your marriage. And one of the biggest things we have to realize is that we can't change anybody. Only God can change other people, but we can change ourselves. Okay. Moderators. Yeah, I wanted to jump in real quick on this one. Um, two things you said. One, uh, you know, you and Dr. Marsha really, really talking it out organically. That was just really cool to see y'all even like come to come to a means together, but at the same time debate a little bit about like, well, honey, the word, well, the word shouldn't the word do da 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 da. And when you when y'all were talking, I, I thought about the parable of Jesus about the thorny soil and the different types of soil. Right. And I said many times. Our, the like you mentioned the foundation our soul could be wrong in our marriages like so like even if we're under the word our hearts aren't right or there's times where our hearts are not right towards each other our hearts are not right towards longevity or this being a one and done and so the word can come all day long but if my heart is not right in my marriage it's not going to take root the way it should be so sometimes there's nothing wrong with the word it's something wrong with the receiver and then two is mm. many times we have these underlying non-communicated maker breakers. So we don't say it, but mm. it's really a maker breaker. Like if something happens to my child and it's your fault, we done. You know, mm. we ain't gonna, like we're not gonna say it, but it's like in us. Or it's like, if you ever do such and such, I'm gone. And so it's really part of your convictions. And here's the thing, Bishop and Dr. Marsha, we never really allow the word to get to those spots of dysfunctional convictions, or I don't want to say functional convictions. I don't know. I That's good, right there, Chandler. But like, or those places where I'm done. Like, so the marriage can look like it's going real well, 10, 15, 20 years, but it's only going so well because that part in life has not happened yet. Mm. But you know, since year two, if your husband or your wife ever made a mistake with the child. You never, you didn't buckle him up. What do you mean you didn't buckle him up? You did what? And now everything just goes downhill because deep down inside, you never got to a place where you said like, okay, God, like, do I love this person this much? Or God, do I love what you're saying about my marriage? Even if something unpredictable, 
trials, tribulations, trauma, all that happens. And we can't, we really can't prepare for that stuff. But what right. we can do is like allow the word of God to get to those places before life does so that we can at least respond with the word or go to God with those things. But I was thinking about that. I was like, what am I, when you were talking, I said, okay, God, I felt a little conviction. And I said, what am I, and Andrea's in the room, so she can attest this. I said, what are my underlying maker breakers? That everything might be fine, but let's, what if there is? As long as, long as you don't cross this line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's me. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the things that we do in premarital counseling is, is we have a session where we talk about that. We say, what is the one thing that would be the deal breaker for you in this marriage? You know, this is before people get, and we talk about those things and we let them express it. And, you know, the common one for everybody, if you ever cheat on me, mm -hmm. uh, you ever put your hand on me, you know, th 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 those are the two biggest ones. And, um, and so one of the things we tell people, just like, just like when you get saved and, you know, in order to, in order to really have the, uh, the spiritual significance of marriage, you need to have a revelation, Jesus said, of Christ and the church. Mm. Okay. Husband, I got to love my wife the way Christ loved the church. Mm. I can't love you the way Christ loved the church if I don't even have, have a revelation of how Jesus loved the church. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, one, one, one thing you have to come to recognize is that just like you got saved and you don't know that you're going to get a car repossessed and you get saved and you don't know that you'll, whether or not you'll ever have cancer right. or leukemia and you'll get saved and you don't know if there will ever be a fire in your home, but we don't get saved and say, Hey, hmm. Lord, I'll serve you as long as I'll never have a fire. As long as nobody, no, no one died prematurely, whatever. And so it's a journey. Mm. It's a journey. And there's risk involved. Right. But the commitment says, whatever happens, I'm going to go through it with you. Check that out. Yeah. And we're going to work it out together. And that's the conviction that we try to get people to come to before you get married. Right. You say, I do to risk. Yes, without a doubt. You know, and I'm thinking about when you, when I, when we got married. I didn't think, you know, I would ever leave New Jersey. I didn't, I didn't foresee the different twists and turns that we experienced at a married as a married couple. But we said, "I do to that risk," and so that's a commitment, you know. And I met you. Excuse me, I'm chewing some ice here. Excuse me, y'all. I met you. I met you as an 18 year old. Wow, yeah. I committed to you as a 20 year old. I mean, vows to a 20 year old. I didn't know you as a 50 something year old. Mm -mm. Definitely not. Okay. And so to think that you know everything about a person and, you, and everything there ever is at the age of 20, 25, 30, whatever it is. Right. People, life is. You know, People are going to change. People are going to um, uh, what's the evolve. Word? Evolve. That's the word. Evolve. Evolve. So you said, "I do to evolving. I do to change. Mm. I do to risk. I do to the mishaps. I, I I do to health challenges. I do to weight gain. I do to weight gain. I do to sexual problems in the bed." Or just being tired in the bed. Or being tired in the bed. It ain't necessarily a problem. Sometimes just tired. Just tired. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but many of us wasn't saying I do to that stuff, Ooh. though. Right? You like, if you keep it real, we wasn't, I wasn't, you wasn't thinking about none of those when you said I do. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't. No, I already put it up. Okay. You didn't know that you were saying I do, to, but all those are things. And, and so you don't, for, if you foresaw it, you might not have said I do because that's selfishness, mm -hmm. you know? So all of those things are hidden, but there is, there's an expectation regarding this whole um, institution, covenant, um, understanding, walking regarding marriage. People, you know, the world calls it an institution of marriage. God calls it a covenant. Right. That there is a 
there is an, um, a commitment to the unseen, to the unknown, to the unexpected. And you, you, when you say I do, you are saying I do to the unseen, unexpected, un unknown, that regardless of how I may feel, I made a commitment and I can't walk away from it. That's the that's the foundation of, of a committed Christian marriage. Yeah. That's the foundation of a And we've seen Christian too marriage. many Christians, y'all. And I, I'm really too many Christians walking away from their marriage. And it's a problem for me because the thing about it is it's like this there, there's there's someone who is God who is bigger than us, bigger than your marriage, that you said I do before at the end of the day. We and we believe God can turn around financial situations, health situations. Mm -hmm. We believe that. Do y'all believe that? Let's open this up right now. But well, can he? He can't actually turn around the marriage situation. Right. So we're gonna open up up for discussion. Um, good, bad, ugly, whatever. Questions. Um, questions. Thoughts. Um, welcome to the Kingdom Business Network, Marriage, Faith, and Family. We're opening up this um, room for your thoughts, concerns, what have you. Let's talk. Adrian Jamal, comments. Uh, it's, it's, I, I, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's good. I, 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 it's kind of what Pastor Chandler said, like this marriage works in the confines of commitment. Like it has to be, you have to be committed. Like we, um, we experienced something very early in our marriage that we was not, we did not plan to, we, we, we had dealt with infertility very, very early in our marriage. We, our, our goal was to we'd be married for two years. And in that year three, we were going to start having all these kids. And, um, that didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't nothing we thought about was nothing we've been planning for. And, 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 and it wasn't until, it wasn't until recently after you know, we had our God has blessed us. We have our daughter. Well, my daughter, my wife really thought that that I wasn't going to be around because she couldn't fulfill this 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 dream or this idea of, of what the perfect marriage looked like. And um, I remember just just recently um, we walked on our mantle. We have this vow full of salt, and it's um. It's, it's we did a marriage. We did a salt covenant for our, our marriage, and basically what it is is that you. The husband, the wife, the bride, and the groom pour salt into a vessel, and it says, "If if we want to get divorced, I got to pull every one of my grains of salt out of here and separate mine, and you got to pull every one of your grains out of here and separate yours mm. in order for us to get this divorce." And God r reminded me of that, and I was like, Th "That's how <laughs> that's how serious God sees marriage. They that's how difficult He wants it to be." For y'all to turn y'all backs on each other. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, so you know, I, for some reason, we always end up here talking about the commitment of marriage. And um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure some people get tired of hearing us talk about this, about what it takes in terms of the, the commitment of marriage. But that has, that has to be the that has to be the foundation. Yeah. Let me, let me move on and mention this also. So. Also, and we've discussed this in the in the past, is that in your marriage, in order to have long prosperity, you always got to be on God against temptation. You always have to be on God against temptation. And, you know, Jesus um, says to his disciples in Matthew 26, I believe is also in John 17, um, as he's praying the real Lord's prayer, him praying in the garden, Matthew 26, 41, he says, watch and pray that ye may not enter into temptation. And then he says something that we always think just in terms of them physically sleeping because he found they were sleep. He said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That you don't need context for the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak, period, in every context. When it comes to some of you are in ministries right now where your church may be on a consecration or fast during this month and your body's telling you, I don't want to fast. The flesh is weak. You're supposed to be fasting in the morning and it ain't even no bacon in the house. But some kind of way when you wake up in the morning, you smell bacon. 
because the flesh is weak, but it's strong enough to smell bacon. So the flesh is weak. Recognizing that in order to conquer your flesh that is weak, that you're going to have to make sure your spirit is stronger. Because the Bible says if we walk in the spirit, Romans the eighth chapter, if we walk in the spirit, then we won't fulfill the lust of the weak flesh. So if, you know, building up yourself spiritually, you do it for yourself in terms of your relationship with God, but you need to be strong spiritually to have a good marriage, to have the God kind of marriage. Jesus spoke those words, Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Spirit indeed is willing, flesh is weak. He spoke those words to his disciples the night before he was arrested and crucified. But the commandment applies to us today in every context. The reaction that our hearts and our we times uh, may be to focus on the things of God, but our thoughts and actions may fall back into sinful ways if we're not vigilant regarding our flesh. So yeah, you know, Paul says this way, also in Romans 8, he said, with my mind, okay, I serve the law of God, but with my flesh, I'm going to serve sin. Okay, so you may not always do what's in your mind. You're going to have to build yourself up to be spiritually strong, to have the God, to be the kind of husband God wants you to be, the wife God wants you to be. So we should always strive to proactively direct our attention back to God and back to a strong relationship with the Lord. And so when we're tempted, we should ask God for strength to resist and to and a path to escape. it. the Bible says that he will make a way of escape. Mm -hmm. So your flesh, and the Bible says every man is tempted, James, the first chapter. Every, let no man say when he's tempted, he's tempted of God, but God does not tempt with the evil. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own flesh mm -hmm. and enticed. So you got to know your own flesh. So how do you escape temptation? Put safe put safeguards around yourself. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says flee you for lust, but if you live long enough, youthful lust will flee you. Has Some of the youthful lust will, has fleed me. It has fleed me. Oh, like I said, you get to a certain point, oh. you're like the dog trying to chase the car. What you going to do if you catch it? Oh, that's hilarious to okay. me. Okay. <laughs> that's funny. So, uh, you know, how, how do you do? You put safeguards around yourself. You don't put yourself in a certain environment. You may, not, you may not be able to watch certain things. You don't need to be around certain people. You don't need to be having certain kind of conversation. Do what you got to do to put, to put parameters around mm. yourself and safeguards around yourself. Mm. Exactly. Then also go to God when you don't have all the answers. Okay. A spiritual Christian marriage has to be a marriage of prayer. Mm. Okay. James 1 and 5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let's ask God who give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Another translation says, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. And the, the way the King James says that, James 1 and 5, who give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Upbraideth means he doesn't, he doesn't ridicule you and criticize you that you even have to come to ask him. Hmm. Oh, like, oh, now you're going to ask for wisdom. You should have asked me 10 years ago for wisdom before you married this buster. Hmm. Okay. If you need wisdom, go to God. It's never too late to get the wisdom of God. Never too late. Because the wisdom of God is strategy for wherever we are. The wisdom of God will help you to get there even from here. Even when you're way off course, hmm. we can get the wisdom of God to navigate how to get back. So no, no marriage is perfect. You mentioned this earlier. No marriage is perfect. And no one's going to have the solution for every problem, every argument. So when couples do enter into these seasons of conflict and you're going to enter them, go to God. Go to God with confidence. Let's come boldly. Hebrews 4 and 16. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. There's grace to help in our time of need. So go to God with confidence that he'll give you the answers and give you strategy. And call out to, calling out to God is always the best choice when your own knowledge, your own experience, your own expertise, your own talent, your own your own ingenuity is not working. God, I need you. Show me. Lord, help me with this woman. <laughs> Same. Help me with this man. Mm. Help me know what to do. Help me know how to say everything I say. Well. Seems to be wrong. and well, they Get offended well, about everything. Well, God, well. help me know what to Jesus. say. Okay. 
So I see, look like, we, well, as we're going to sign off here, all right, we got Courtney up on the stage tonight. Good evening, Courtney. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Bishop Bailey and Dr. Marsha. Um, I hate I had to jump on so late. No problem. It's the time I put my little ones down. So We understand. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to jump on and, and chime in really quickly. I actually have a question for you all. Um, and you touched on it, um, talking about praying. Do you all pray together or do you all have separate prayer lives? And I ask that because that's just to be transparent. That's something that I really want um desire for my marriage more like i accepted christ through prayer i was uh we had a 50 day um prayer uh at church and that is how i accepted christ and so i have a strong relationship with god through prayer and that's something that i want me and my husband to do more together but i don't know if that's what god has called us to do in our marriage so i was just wondering like just from a perspective from you all is it do you believe that a couple should have a prayer life together or is it okay to have two separate prayer lives because i know my husband prays first off he's a man of god and then he has an assignment for god to be as a youth pastor but in our marriage i'm like i see other couples and i'm like they pray together. That's so cool. But then that might not be what God called our marriage to be. So I try not to, you know, see somebody else's and covet yeah. what they have. Definitely. Definitely. And this is such a great question. Comes Courtney. up all the time. Comes up all the time. And I want to encourage you. I think it's, um, it's, a, it's a great um, wall of fire and defense for couples to pray together. And so I, I do understand, I mean, we personally have individual prayer lives and we do also pray together. It's not this or that. I think it's and and both. Both and. Yeah, both. So I want to encourage you to um to um be okay with the individual prayer um life, but also say, hey hun, you know, sometimes, you know, depending on the mindset, it's just the rhythm of going to God in my own prayer life. And it's something that may be unfamiliar and uncomfortable for the other spouse, but not to turn that um, loose, the desire and the want to. I want to encourage you, especially y'all being young, um, don't give up on it. And so maybe, and it's okay to initiate, you know, and say, hey, let's pray. And I'm sure you would desire him to take that lead, but he's just in he's just in the rhythm of his own walk with God and handling business. And this is something that you have a personal passion about and encounter with how you came to God. So I want to encourage you to like say, you know, just to initiate it and and to be okay with the awkwardness, to be okay with um you feeling awkward, him feeling awkward, and not making a big deal about it. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you know, hey, let's can, can, do you mind praying right now with, you know, about this? Let's pray. I, I, I would like for us to pray together on this. And rather a huge discourse that precedes you praying together, just like jumping in it and doing it, you know, and and being OK with it and making it a um, a familiar place as you do it. Right. Because, and you because, and you put a you hit the nail on the head too. Like I will initiate it, but I want it to be more of a joint effort of a, like not me always like, babe, let's pray about this situation. I like, let's yeah. pray. Yeah. So I will definitely keep definitely. keep that desire. Um, Please. But he, he you you just you really hit it on the head because it's like he gets so caught up in the hustle and the bustle of everything and the, you know being in his role. But also to his defense, I have not communicated that with him. So when right. you said that just now, it's probably something I need to communicate right. that that's a want of mine. Right, right. I think that's a sometimes as couples who are in ministry, working ministry, it's a um, it's an overlooked area. Mm-hmm. And so because we are both doing what we need to do, but there is a real untapped power. When that couple come together, together. 
you know, to pray regardless who starts it. And as the wife, you know, we will always love the husband to initiate it because we honor them, we respect mm-hmm. them. And they are, you know, because they in ministry, they serve in God and they leaders in the church. We, we want them to also kind of come on over and lead in this area of spiritual prayer in the home. And they just probably just not really actually thinking about it. Right. And, um, you know, and so what can happen, you can allow um, that area, that that uh, area of focus and lockdown go un overlooked because we just waiting. Mm. And the enemy has opportunity. Right. So if you can think of the bigger picture mm-hmm. and the bigger cause, you know, and keep that in front of you now. And so, so, um, so that you can kind of just like push that to the tables, like regardless, you know, it doesn't make, take anything from him at all. Right. At all. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Can can I add something? Something that kind of helped us because we are, we have two, we have two different ways of interacting with God. But one thing that kind of allows us to to, to pray together is just having a family confession in the morning, like maybe one or two minutes. It's it's really what it is. It's really Abraham. I mean, it's really uh, Aaron's blessing. And we say the the Lord blesses us and we we repeat it together. So it kind of creates that space. Only about a minute and a half where we and her can talk, can we and her can pray in unison. So it kind of gets us in the pattern of praying together. That's great. That's good. That's good. It, 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 I mean, and if, you know, you can even, you know, there's all kind of like little devotional books, something that you can just maybe start off doing something, doing something together, you know, to, to create. Because I can tell you really for a lot, um, the truth of the matter with a lot of men, it's awkward. It, it feel it. It just feels awkward to them, and and Jamal said, as Jamal said, you know, there's things we can do just to just to break through that awkwardness, where it becomes more of um, something that's just more common among you. Yeah, and Courtney, what you you know, like, and you heard what my husband saying, it feels awkward for men, but sometimes as wives, we look through, we look at our husbands through the lens of what they do in ministry. And how right. they function in right. ministry. Yes. And we think that will cross over into the home. It doesn't mm-hmm. always cross over into the home for their role as that priest in navigating those things. And that makes sense because I can see myself high in my ministry. I have no issue praying for someone and believing God for someone else's issue or anything, not maybe not necessarily issue healing, anything that someone else could bring to me. I could believe God for them, but it really is more mm. of a struggle or right. uh, um, to believe God for myself. Right. Maybe if I even have the same thing that they're coming to me about, I'm being mm. presented with it and I have a struggle. So yeah, that makes, that does make sense. Um, yeah. As far as yeah. You, I could see my husband pray for so many other people. And it's just like, Mm-hmm. But you don't do that over here, you know. <laughs> so. And but also, let me add: just because you don't, let me also just add: quote, just because you don't see him doing, or he's not necessarily doing it with with you, does not mean he's not doing it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's what I said earlier. Like he he will come to me, like we'll be in t- talking, and he'll say, "Yeah, I prayed about that." So I'm like, "Oh." You, you, that lets me know. Oh, you, oh, you do I, pray. You do. <laughs> well, you know, I'm so, Courtney, thank you because you, as a minister's wife, this is such a good, this is such a good perspective because what happens, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an old, old head in the game. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what happens, we see our husbands operating in that role in, in church and we're like, man, can you, you know, you know, can you get a word over here? Can you yeah. get a word over here? Hey. <laughs> but you know, but and it's there's you know, they're operating in that anointing under the pulpit. And sometimes that's wise. We can almost look through that lens and have this this it's it's not an expectation, it's a desire. A desire. Mm-hmm. It's a desire. It's a desire. And, and that that anointing that God places on that husband or that wife is for God's people 
in that you know in that in, in the in the house of God. Right. And it's it's such a it's so it's such a it's a, like a double edged sword, bittersweet mm-hmm. thing for us to process and realize. Okay, that was for that house. Now I got to work on my house. You know, right. and then, and it doesn't it doesn't cross over sometimes like that. It's right, more yeah. of you know that's more of a demonstrative move, and it's more of a private or just a move in the home, not private. It's just what we do. I don't make this public announcement. There's no amplifier. There's no mic. There's no organ backup. You know, it's like <laughs> yo, you know, you know. It's like it's 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 like now. It's, it's no media wall. It's no you know. It's none of that. You know, but they're doing that, and we have to trust and. And God helps us to see, okay, they, we, like in those moments where he said, oh, well, I prayed about that. It's like, oh, wow, okay. You do pray. You do pray. You do pray. <laughs> Y'all are funny. <laughs> I oh, love it. You. I love thank it. You. Thank, thank you, you, thank you, Courtney. You have a great night. All right. You all do the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Let's make this, sure. this has been great.